Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day everybody. Welcome into the Canterbury Sports Corner. Good morning, wherever you are around Christchurch, further abroad, north, south, east, west. Sound like scribe now, don't I? Um, Even further into the South Island. Hope everybody is doing well and has had a splendid summer week. Although, does it feel like summer? Not really. It kind of feels like spring, probably because it is. And that's actually to do with the weather. Um, let's start with some weather chat, shall we? And we will actually finish with some weather chat as well with Phil Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz because I am always fascinated by the weather at this time of year as it gets into silly season. Uh, gee, the wind has been terrible. I'm wondering if that's unseasonable, if that is because of El Nino. Uh, we will work that out with Phil. Philip Duncan will join us, and I think some weather chat's fine on a sports radio station because so many of us love doing outdoorsy things. Uh, lots of good regional, rural farmers, that sort of type, listening up and around uh, Canterbury and abroad. Well, f- further, I should say. So you find that interesting, and Phil gives a very good explanation into what exactly we are seeing and will be seeing over the next week. Wow, what else have we got to do today? Well, um, it, are you surprised that I want to talk some horse racing? No. What about harness racing? Because at Addington, yes, Addington, uh, here in Christchurch, on Sunday, there are eight Group 1 races on one meet. Eight Group 1 races on one meet. Get that through your head. That's crazy. So Greg O'Connor, our man, everything uh, harness racing uh, in Canterbury, proud Cantabrian himself, um, he's going to join us and, and take us through race by race of the Group 1 card at Addington tomorrow. Looking forward to doing that with Grigo. Um, what else will we do? Well, this week we had uh, lots of cricket to get our teeth sunk into. Unfortunately, the Canterbury team and the Ford Trophy aren't going super well. But, positively, Willow Rourke, yeah, the young uh, Canterbury quick, He's a fast bowler, he just hits the wicket hard, he's got big, tall limbs on him, he's got big levers, as they like to say. Well, he's been selected in the ODI side to play Bangladesh uh, coming up for the Black Caps. What a wonderful news that is. In a week where we have lamented and agonised over the state of, uh, in the age of our, our Black Caps, our national men's team, uh, let's not get going on the, the women's team. Oh boy, the White Ferns are in trouble, aren't they? Um, but I tell you what, Willow Rourke is going to be a, a massive asset to us in Canterbury and, and the Black Caps for a long period of time to come. So how is he feeling uh, about being selected as a Black Cap? And on the cricketing theme, uh, we're just looking back at some of the interviews that Jordan and Frankie and I have done over the year on the Canterbury Sports Corner, and we've been lucky. We've had some awesome guests and done some really good stuff. And on the cricket theme, there was one that popped up, Debbie Hockley, because this year was the first year of the Debbie Hockley medalist. Now, the Sir Richard Hadley medal is uh, for the the Premier Men's Cricketer of the Year, and this year they they brought in the Debbie Hockley medal, which was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful um, acknowledgement of Debbie's uh, input to New Zealand cricket over a long period of time in the White Ferns. And going back a wee while, Jordan Oppert actually caught up to De- with Debbie to find out 
what that meant and, and a bit more about the medal and what it represents to her. And I was listening back to it thinking, gee, that's a fantastic chat. So we're going to play you that, a little bit of that as well to close out the hour on the Canterbury Sports Corner here with Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Lucky to have them involved. Uh, of course, we'll do a bit of community sport later on as well with Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life. Proud supporters of community sports across Christchurch. Check out our modern home plans and show home locations at tridenthomes.nz. Big show. Don't go anywhere because Will O'Rourke is coming up after this. Joining us now on the Canterbury Sports Corner, this is very cool. Uh, One of our own, kind of, from Auckland, but we're claiming him because he's a a Canterbury uh, cricketer and he's a new black cap uh, included in this ODI squad to play Bangladesh. Later this month is William O'Rourke, who has been in superb form for Canterbury and at domestic and age-grade level in the, the last few years, getting a crack at the big table with the Black Caps. Will, thank you so much for taking our call, mate. It must have been a, a bit of a whirlwind of a week, but one you'll never forget. No, cheers. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, yeah, been a crazy week, I think, from that call a few days ago to now. Yeah, phone, obviously, yesterday was going pretty crazy, so no, it's been awesome. You, you've been on the radar a wee while, though, so and you, and you, you would have known that you were you were playing pretty good. Um, did you expect it? Does that translate to you know? Do you ever expect for the first time to get that phone call? Are you more hopeful? Did you even know that it was on the radar? Um, oh, to be honest, I didn't know. I was overly on the radar for this sort of honours at the moment. I guess you never know how many people are unavailable or who's getting rested and stuff like that. But yeah, I guess. A good NZA series led me to having my name on the radar, but didn't didn't expect it to come this soon, to be fair. That NZA series was awesome. You're just taking um, bags of wickets, really. Um, really good figures that whole time. And that experience, even though it was it was A stuff, but you're, you're playing pretty good cricketers in Australia. And in, I imagine the environment was intense and it kind of replicated international level? Yeah, definitely. I think we had a... A lot of players in our team and their team that had played a bit of international cricket and been around that sort of environment for a while. So, you know, you watch all those guys play big bash and stuff, and you think, damn, they must be they must be pretty good, and it's pretty cool to play against them. But I think we were pretty confident going over there and trying to play our, our best cricket. So, what was working for you, and what has been working for you throughout this year? Um, you're obviously still young and you're still working on your craft. So I'm always interested when, when players at this level of their careers are getting picked for those higher honours. What, what's not necessarily changed, but where have your big areas of develop been, development been over the last kind of 6, 12 months? Yeah, I think overall being a pretty raw bowler, it's just been about trying to get that consistency, trying to whack away and be patient for a good amount of time. All the coaches sort of at high levels and Canary levels just tell me to run and be myself, try to work the wicket hard, um, not worry too much where it's going. But I think add that with a bit of bit of consistency and a bit of experience, that's been where my improvements been the last few years. When I've when we've been speaking about you on SCNZ over the last couple of days and, and asking different people that have watched you bowl that, that know this stuff, they say, you know, huge upside and you hear that word, I'm sure you've heard that word a wee bit and I guess is that where the consistency that now comes in to try and be a, more of the complete package and be able to, um, not, not, not just about setting batters up but more being able to bowl in innings and, and kind of paint the full picture rather than just being able to bowl that lightning bolt every once in a while. 
Yeah, exactly. I think especially the more you go up levels, the more people are gonna gonna put away the bad ball. So I think it's just not hoping for a miracle ball every every so often, hoping you just have a good game. I think it's just trying to stack up overs, and you know if that helps you get take wickets or helps the guy at the other end take wickets. I think it's just all about the consistency side of things. Who's been helping you through the, the New Zealand A stuff and, and the Canterbury, uh, the seasons you've had at Canterbury and even club level? Who's been kind of a, a massive help for you to just to, to be able to work on your, your bowling to get to this point? Yeah, I think ever since I came down to Canterbury, working a lot with Brendan Donkers and Dale Hadley, they've been both massive for me. I think the whole time I've sort of gone under their wing and worked with them over good three winters now. and Yeah, I think they've been, they've been absolutely massive for me. Okay, and and what are the what are the? I mean, it might, might be a bit of a nuffy question, but when it comes down to winters and you're actually just changing or adding balls, I mean, what what is it? Is it is it as simple as like wrist positions? Is it run ups? Like what are the what are the small technical stuff that you have been working on over the last couple of winters? Yeah, we've had a massive focus on my run up. I think I was a bit all over the place when I first got down to Canterbury, and I sort of feet crossed over quite a lot and my momentum was going all over the place so I've been working pretty hard on that and I've still got a little bit of a crossover but it's definitely getting a lot better and a lot more momentum going through the crease at the moment so yeah that's where we've put most of our focus into. So you're hitting the, you're hitting the crease hard, um, you're hitting the deck really hard, What? how quick do you bowl and what's the, you know, what's the typical, when you think of your best ball what is it, what's it doing to it, let's just say a right handed batsman, what is it doing to them? Um. Yeah, uh, I think when I'm at my best and my wrist is right, hopefully I'm bowling wee, wee outies, but I think most of the season I've been sort of angling the ball back in, so if I can angle the ball back in and maybe get a little bit of seam or something away, that's probably when I'm at my most dangerous. And what's your kind of consistent speed? Because that's the other thing, like cricket fans, right? We're, we're all, I don't know why. I mean, I think it's probably because we don't, we haven't had like out, well, we've, when we've had fast bowlers as Kiwis, they've kind of come sporadically, you know, Bondi and then Milne and, and Lockie. Like we don't have a, a, a glut like Australia does. Just of always fast domestic bowlers. So we're always obsessed with speed. I don't really know why. <laughs> how, how quick are you bowling? Um, oh, I'm not 100% sure. We got clocked a little bit over in Australia with those guns seem to be a little bit quicker than the ones over here. So I was, um, maybe high 130s over there, but whenever we've had the gun out at training and stuff here, probably 130, mid 130s maybe. Yeah, see, then that's the perfect example. You guys don't really care about it, but we, we obsess of it. We, we absolutely love knowing how fast people are bowling, which is always interesting. Um, okay, what about the, the Canterbury season so far? Uh, the first class um, stuff, the uh, the Plunkett Shield stuff was going okay. Just a couple of bizarre weather results and niggly, you know, you had you had a couple of teams on the ropes. And then the, the Ford Trophy stuff it just hasn't quite clicked so far. So what's been going on? Obviously, Wellington this week, um, yeah, didn't pan, quite pan out, although you picked up three for, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, first class stuff. First and foremost, obviously got off to a rough start in Wellington, but thought we bounced back really well the next next few next three games. Uh, obviously, a couple weather affected games in the, on the last day led us to drawing a couple games and got the one win. But yeah, I think we were happy with the way we were playing. We thought we could have easily been three wins, one loss, and that that side of things. And then moving into the Ford Trophy, yeah, I guess as a team we haven't haven't quite. Clicked at the moment, we're pretty 
pretty disappointed with the cricket we've played, to be fair, to start off the season. But, yeah, I think we're just looking for a bit of momentum. Maybe maybe next game in Invercargill we get, get a good one down there and get a bit of momentum going and hopefully can carry that forward. It's interesting the way that the, the domestic seasons are kind of structured. You, you go red ball, white ball, and then you have the big T20 block, and then you can kind of come charging out the back end of that, and you've got more of the season to come. So it, it's certainly not doom and gloom, is it? If you can get a bit of momentum, as you, the word you used, and a couple of wins together, you can very quickly find yourself playing all right cricket. Is that how you guys see it? Yeah, definitely. I think we had a very similar start to the T20 campaign last year where we had a real slow start and it was almost feeling like we needed some must-win games and we ended up qualifying first for that. So I think if we can get a few wins under our belt, we'll start going, start going well. We've definitely got the team to put up wins. So, yeah, just need to play some better cricket. Okay, mate. Well, we'll let you crack on. I am curious, though, because you're pretty well-travelled, right? So you've, you've been from around around the place and you well, you're in Canterbury now, so we're, we're claiming you. But technically, I suppose you're probably an Aucklander and then even abroad. So who's who was the... Who was Willow Rourke's favourite cricketer going up? Who was the bowler you just looked at and was like, yeah, that's me? Um, yeah, I, I guess as a youngster, I always loved watching Dale Stane bowl and like just love what he did and idolised what he did. Yeah. And then you sort of get older and you're a bit taller and you don't don't bowl the nice outswingers like Dale Stane. So I started <laughs> comparing myself a bit more to a Mornay type, type <laughs> bowler, someone that just runs in and tries to whack the wicket. So... Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know. For some no. reason, the South African guy. Yeah, sure. I mean, two out. What were two wonderful careers? I reckon if you had a career, probably half as good as either, you'd be pretty chuffed. But we're not saying oh, yeah. we're not saying you can't do it. Will you? You're on the you're doing the right things at the moment. I, I think it's so cool to have you in that squad. And we've spoken heaps this week. I mean, this isn't for you to worry about, but you know where the next wave of New Zealand cricketers are coming from and especially bowlers as well because the unit, you know, it's no secret they're getting longer in the tooth. Some of those frontline test bowlers and they have been doing it for a long time, amazing service, you know. So we're looking for the next wave and to get an opportunity now this summer, I think it's a wonderful thing. So all the best, man, and I'm sure you'll make your best fist of it. Uh, Cheers, thanks very much. How many group ones have we got? I'll count them in the process. We've got... The Livermore New Zealand Trotting Free Thrill Mobile Trot, which is race 10. Working backwards, we've got the Garrett's New Zealand Pacing Derby Mobile Pace, race 9. We have got the box seat Ace of Diamonds, two-year-old mobile, two-year-old Philly Mobile Pace, race 8. We've got the King of the North Trotting New Zealand Derby Mobile Trot, race 7. We have got a Group 3, a Summer Cup Mobile Pace, um, we've got the Tenant Engineering New Zealand Pacing Oaks Mobile Pace, which has had massive news with the scratching of Millwood Nike. Uh, we've got the KB Electrics Ace of Hearts two-year-old Philly Mobile Trot, and we have got the uh, Benavid Ace of Spades two-year-old Coats and Geldings Mobile Pace Group 1. Boy, oh boy. Oh, and the IRT Ace of Clubs two-year-old Colts and Galbing Mo- Mobile Trot. Boy, oh boy, it is a proper day. Greg O'Connor, how many Group 1s does that add up to? Because I lost count. Morning to you, Louis, eight, eight group one, so uh, the biggest uh, group race day of the year and uh, there's always controversy around uh, a big massive day like this and of course you just mentioned uh, the scratching, the shock scratching yesterday of Millwood Nike was certainly that. What has happened? What's the mail, Greg? You would have spoken to Mark, what's going on here? 
Yeah, caught up with Mark yesterday, and um, he said it was a pretty sombre, stable uh, yesterday morning being being Thursday because after she fast worked on Wednesday, she did her normal thing, went out in the paddock, um, did a, came in to, to, to have her dinner, and, um, yeah, her tender had blown up a wee bit, so they wrapped it, hoping that she'd just um, you know, brushed it or done something in the paddock to it, but unfortunately, uh, no, it blew up again, and, um, yeah, she's had to be put aside. So uh, after 18 straight victories, it's been a hell of a ride for the connections. They've basically had no bad luck. Um, they've had uh, the worst possible luck leading into her final race of the season. So when you say put aside, Greg, let's make this very clear because she is a star of the sport. She has not been retired, has she? Absolutely not, no. Uh, the, the scan's yet to, be, uh, yet to be done because they're waiting till the swelling goes down. That may very well have been done this morning. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get a hold of Mark shortly and, and update you. But um, they have to allow the swelling to go down so they can scan it properly to determine what sort of damage is there. He said to me yesterday... His initial thoughts were six months out or six months away from the racetrack. So, um, yeah, that's that's not a total disaster. He said he didn't think it was that bad. Um, she probably would have had a, a reasonable spell anyway, um, although Australia was a possibility in sort of February, March. But um, who knows, Louis, she's such a star, 18 from 18. Uh, everything they threw at her, she has uh, been able to uh, deliver on. And um, I think... You know, judging by what he's been saying around the last eight to twelve months, that she's as good as the boys. So that would indicate that when she does come back and she has to take on the free for all as providing this injury is not too bad, um, then we're going to see the absolute best of her because she can only get stronger. Uh, you know, there's there's always um, silver linings and this sort of stuff. And if she goes away and, and gets bigger and has some time, it's not the worst thing. You know, it definitely is not the worst thing at all, especially a horse of her class. You don't lose your class by having time in the paddock, but if anything, you can just uh, um, strengthen and probably, you know, build that constitution. So it's a shame, but I'm happy to hear that hopefully those scans are positive. It, it makes an interesting market, Greg. You don't often see horses open at $6 and then with the advent of one scratching, you move into $1.50 like Mantra Blue has. Yeah, that's just the total dominance uh, that she had, that she was market-wise. And on the track, she was a dollar twenty uh, before she came out yesterday. They instantly halted uh, the market, brought it back, dollar eighty-five. Now, dollar fifty, Mantra Blue. She's clearly that far in front of the rest, uh, or her performances have shown that thus far, including last time when she galloped out of the gate, which. Zachary Butcher, who is an outstanding driver, as we all know, but training-wise, he's in his infancy, and he, he put it down to trainer error. She wears a really long hobble, uh, 63 inches, which is a really long hobble because she's a, she's a big, long, scopey type of filly. So when he asked her to go off the gate for the first time, there were two things he could have done. One, put some hobble shorteners in, which effectively brings the shorteners closer by two or three holes or two or three inches so that she feels the hobbles a bit more and doesn't overreach. Uh, and the other thing is you can just pull the hobbles up a couple of holes uh, just to help her out when you want to ask her to go away uh, very quickly from the gate. The same scenario is if it's from a standing start. Uh, Zach didn't do either, and you saw what happened, Louis. She tried to go too mm. fast, went into a gallop, um, gallop for a little further than 150 metres, which therefore meant she was out of play um, and was subsequently disqualified. But what she did after that was unreal. How she got 
uh, as close to Millwood Nike as she did. She just did that under her own steam as well. That wasn't chasing her at all. Uh, she she got very close to running second in that race. Um, that would indicate that if she stays in a gear this week, uh, she should be winning the Oaks, and she, she deserves it. She's only lightly tried, as we know, but, man, she's got a motor. It's only her seventh start on Sunday. Yep, no, she's got a huge motor and she will be, well, now the, the next star attraction. Let's bounce through these Group 1s then, Greg. Uh, the IRT Acer Club's two-year-old Colts and Geldings mobile trot. Who do you have on top? Uh, I actually went with Bring On The Muscle, who I think is great value. This one's trained by Clark Barron, Brent Barclay, Barrier 1. only had the four starts. Came on a fact-finding mission to Ashburton a couple of starts back and ran third and behind the Ivy League and just went a cracking race. She set a New Zealand record. I reckon it's great value. Bring on the muscle on top. Uh, look to the stars, Tyron Eros and Wilma's boy. All decent winning chances. This is a ripper. Better vet Ace of Spades two-year-old Colts and Gelding mobile pace. If you have not seen it, go to hrnz.co.nz and look at Dreams Are Free's last win, last run for Nathan Williamson. This guy could potentially be a, a Captain Treacherous superstar, and he goes up against We Walk by Faith, who did one of the most unbelievable things uh, <laughs> uh, on well on on show day. It was just it was just awesome. It was just such a good win. So, who do you have on top here? Yeah, I'm going with the professionalism of We Walk by Faith. Um, obviously trained by Mark and Nathan, Mark doing the steering, and um, I expect him to go straight off the gate, get the lead. Dreams of Free is, is a real talent, no doubt about that at all, but he's a bit funny at the start, and what will aid him in this race is, is not too many numbers against him. He has a motor, but can he give uh, We Walk by Faith or Major Hot uh, a three or four length start from the quarter pole? Well, we'll find out, won't we? But he's definitely a talent. And the Southern people that have uh, come up for this carnival, gee, they've made a mark. And I reckon they'll make a mark on Sunday too. Okay, let's go to the Tenant Engineering NZ Pacing Oaks. I know we have, we've we've given that enough time, actually, to be fair. Um, We know what's going to happen there. Well, we'd think we do. Uh, King of the North NZ Trotting Derby, Mobile Trot, the Group 1. What do you make of this field here? Uh, Not as promised as $3.80 to $3, Greg. Yeah, fantastic to have him here. He's uh, trained in, in Queensland by Graham Dwyer. Nathan Dawson, who's the leading driver in Australia, not just Queensland, Australia, honing in on 400 wins for the season. Uh, he's won a Breeders' Crown. He's won a Victoria Derby. He's got the right credentials to come over and take uh, our Derby. So uh, I think he deserves to be favourite. I'm surprised he's short, but gee, he'll take some beating. Um, the best Kiwi chances, probably uh, the Philly Sunny Sister, who won the Oaks last week. Definite winning chance. Uh, high Energy, who's got the inside second row draw. Julie Jacker, who was second in the Oaks last week. All of them have a hope. And Gold Bullion has the motor, but just don't know if he's got the ring craft. I think the Aussie can win it. Okay. Well, they, they managed to do that over a couple, didn't they? The box seat ace of diamonds, two-year-old filly mobile pace over the 1980. Uh, interesting market, this one. I don't know where you would go. Yeah, a tricky, a tricky race. Been a long season for a lot of these fillies. 
Treacherous Love's very good. Uh, Ash Angrelana won on show day, the side stakes final. Both of them have drawn well. The pair of Madrid and Treacherous Baby from the All-Stars team. Louis Girl, who's by a horse called Lord Forbes, which was, well, he could have gone round on the pony trot. He went round in the New Zealand Cup one year. He's that small, Lord Forbes. But this girl's got a massive motor. She came here last week and was terrific. None of them I'm going for, though, Louis. I'm going for a filly off the second row at just her fourth start, Duchess Meg. Zachary Butcher for master trainer Barry Purden and his training partner Scott Phelan. Great value. Duchess Megxit might be arriving on the scene with some of these fillies on the way down where she's clearly on the way up. Okay, well, I can see that that market has moved, so you've clearly opened your wallet, Greg. Um, Garrard's New Zealand Pacing Derby. Okay, what are you like? Which team? Are you team Don't Stop Dreaming or your team Merlin? I'm with Don't Stop Dreaming. I'll explain why very shortly, but what a derby. What a great derby. You've got the yep. Purden Feeling team of Sooner the Better and Merlin. I mean, these horses, Merlin and Don't Stop Dreaming, have clashed six times. It's 4-2 to Don't Stop Dreaming. However, it pretty much has come t- down to barrier draw and where they've landed in the run. Clearly, Merlin has a chance here of landing the front and dominating from the top end, meaning Don't Stop Dreaming has to sit outside him. He couldn't do it last week. But it's 2,600 metres this week. Spoke to Mark about that yesterday. He said, I think I've got a superior stayer. I'm going to have to eyeball Merlin for the last lap. Now, that'll set it up. That'll make it a great derby. Uh, We saw this last year with the Cooter when he had to sit outside Republican Party. I just think the better's delight factor will will play a big part here. Uh, Merlin's by Art Major, not saying he can't win it. Uh, A lot of punters think he can, and if he leads, he absolutely can. But I think Don't Stop Dreaming is the best three-year-old in the land, and I think he'll have to be on Sunday. It looks like a cracking derby, an absolute classic race nine there. Uh, That is the seventh of eight group ones, and we finish with the Livermore New Zealand trotting free-for-all. I mean, what a race for the, the speedy trotters. Um, Oscar Bonavina, who would have thought, eh? $1.65, $1.45. Who would have thought, Greg, just to finish up here, can Oscar Bonavina be beat in this field, or is he just in too good a form? Well, without Muscle Mountain there, he's been the dominant force. Obviously, Muscle Mountain had his mishap in the Dominion, which Oscar won. Then Oscar went to the Miffin Green Mile last week, and he won by 10 lengths. He just completely destroyed them. Two years ago, this horse was going to be retired. He was yeah. he had his ailments, he had his soreness problems, and they seriously considered. In fact, Mark told me yesterday he rang a couple of the studs, because he's still a stallion, to see if there was any interest in anyone standing them. Uh, basically, they said no, so he thought, oh, well, we might as well keep going. Well, he's in career yep. best form. One thing they're doing with him, Louis, which is remarkable, is they decided to start pre-race warming him, so giving him a warm-up about an hour before he raced. And it's worked the Oracle because he's had two starts now since they've started doing that. And he's won the Renwick Farms at Group 1 level and he's won that Green Mile by 10 lengths. Uh, He'll be winning and he'll wrap up what will be an awesome day on Sunday. Magnificent. Eight Group 1s in uh, a couple of words. Do you have a bet of the day? Yes, I think Duchess Megxit is the best each way of the day, but clearly the best bet of the day is Oscar in the last. Run all your multis through him, and at four minutes past five, you'll have a big thrill to wrap up what will be a great Grand Prix day.
Uh, outstanding. Greg O'Connor, uh, Trot's Talk host. I mean, you just know Greg so well. He does such good work there at Addington. He's a good friend of ours here at the Good Oil and SCNZ. That is a mega preview of a mega day of harness racing. hrnz.co.nz for all of that form online. Let's talk some weather because I feel like that's what we all do every day anyway, especially at this time of year and especially in this part of the country in Canterbury. Ah, spring into summer. What an interesting time it is and what an interesting year it is in particular. What are we going to get? What could El Nino bring? Well, uh, there's one man that I know that I would call to find out, and he's been doing this for a very long time. He's the best in the business, weatherwatch.co.nz. Philip Duncan is on the line with us. Morning, Phil. How are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? Yes, good, and obsessed with weather, like everyone else seems to be. I don't know if it's a Canterbury-specific thing or if it's a New Zealand-specific thing. Um, It's good for you, though, because everyone always wants to know what's going on, especially at this time of year, right? Yeah, they do, and it's funny you mention that because over the years, I've noticed that in the South Island, uh, Cantabrians are much more weather interested than other regions. We get far more questions, far more complaints, uh, far more updates from Canterbury than we do from, I would say, all of the other South Island regions combined. Now, that's uh, there's, there could be so many different reasons why. I don't know. Uh, I think for a lot of us, it's because it's grown up to be quite predictable. You know what the seasons are, and then if it's not that, it's very confusing. Um, and also, you, you know, it's not like Auckland or one of those other North Island towns where it, it could kind of change on a dime like that. You feel like you, you've got security down here with your weather, and then if it's not, it just spins people out. I don't know. That's that's me anyway. I don't know if that's a shared perception. That's brilliant. Actually, I was just thinking as you were saying that, that's probably hitting the nail on the head because if you go to Southland, you know, Southland um, and certainly coastal Otago where Dunedin is, they know that the weather is always changeable, that, you know, you can wake up sunny and it can be snowing by two hours later. Um, and it's a, it's topsy-turvy. West Coast, same story, right? Rains all the time. And then you've got the, the north of the South Island, Nelson, Marlborough, where it's generally dry all the time. And so Canterbury is in that area where you get a bit of everything, but it's not, like you say, it's not like Auckland where it's all four seasons in one day. Not often, anyway. Canterbury usually is sort of a slower build-up you know, we've got the Norwester for today, and then there'll be that cold front, and then it's colder for a couple of days. So <laughs> yeah. Kind of got a got a bit more of a pattern to it. And also, Canterbury can have some really wild weather. It can create some of the most spectacular severe thunderstorms that we see in the entire South Island, and that tends to be sort of a more of a summer thing. But yeah, it's, it's a great spot for weather, but it's a little more settled than the rest of the South Island. Yeah, and you're so right. And we've had a, we've had about three or four of those days in the last fortnight, Phil, with those nor'westers, and then gets to about five, six, seven p.m. and it just flips. And then we've got a couple of days of um, southerly or, or that kind of southwester. Now it's been windy. I don't know if it's been unseasonally windy. It's just all, all through November and even the start of December. It's been really windy. Is there a reason for that? And should we expect it to still be windy up to Christmas? Yeah, well, I basically say that what El Nino does for a summer for us is it kind of encourages a bit of a spring-like pattern through the summer months. And if you live in the North Island or if you live in the top of the South Island, that's not a bad thing. That means it'll be there'll be lots of hot days um, for those at the beach, those camping. You know, if, if the wind's not blowing too much, that wind direction tends to be uh, in the north very hot, very summer-like. In the South Island, it can be a bit more up and down and spring-like. So you can have that hot nor'wester, as you say, followed by the cooler change. 
and we, we are seeing more of that and we're expecting more of that this summer. Canterbury is a bit more of the buffer zone. Um, it's probably more Southland and Otago that really get the, the harsher ups and downs. And once you get into sort of Canterbury, it's not as dramatic. And, and that's because the mountains and ranges block a lot of that. But I do think we will see some wind games this year. And in fact, just this uh, December, I mean, and in fact, just even this weekend, classic example of it tomorrow, we've got a Norwester out of Sydney. So Sydney tomorrow is going to be probably around 40, 42 degrees. That Norwester will come out over the Tasman and then you cut about 10 degrees off it. So we might be seeing, you know, around 30 degrees for some places inland um, up to Marlborough, between Christchurch and Marlborough. I don't think Christchurch will be 30, but it'll be a, it'll be a nice warm day, put it that way. Followed by Sunday, cold front, temperatures drop back down again. And that's because El Nino encourages more west to southwest winds over the country. Okay, that's very well explained. It makes perfect sense. Uh, through through El Nino, with those warm nor'westers, does that mean that up in the main divide and, and through the middle part of the country, uh, the South Island in, in particular, that there'll be lots of rain and our rivers will be getting a workout? It depends on how much rain... Um, Spills over, and the word that I want to use is always a dodgy one, but uh, penetration is the word <laughs> of the day. Uh, sure. And that's because when, when it rains on the West Coast, how far does it penetrate through the Southern Alps? And so Fiordland, you can, you know, we, we don't expect any shortage of rain for Fiordland and South Westland, so therefore we expect that to be spilling over into the uh, Lake District parts around Queenstown. But when you get further up into Canterbury, it gets a little bit more sort of tricky because the rain isn't expected to be as heavy for places like Hokitika, Greymouth and Westport. Further north you go, the lower the totals are. And so, therefore, less chances of that rain spilling over. So I think the further south you are, the rivers have probably got a better chance of getting some of that spillover rain. And the further north you go, uh, the lower the chances. Okay, so you, you explained that well before that we're getting this kind of springy type stuff. What, what about late summer then? Because the old cliche of the last wee while has been, well, summer kind of starts after New Year anyway and seems to be going late into March and even kind of Easter time. Uh, is, is that what we'd expect? Will it sort itself out later in the New Year? Yeah, in fact, you know, I think our rush in New Zealand to get into summer mode is something that I'm, I'm part of. You know, I, we, we talk about December 1st being the start of summer. A lot of other countries don't go with the meteorological dates. They go with the astronomical dates. Oh. And that would mean we wait, yeah, we wait till the summer solstice, which is still another two and a half weeks away. And that would be the point where we say, hey, uh, it's now summertime. So just a day or two before Christmas, which means that for now, all the way up to that, during all of our... Christmas parties, Christmas parades, Santa parades. Um, we're doing that all in spring, not in summer. And so I think if you sort of look at it that way, December doesn't seem quite so unsettled. In fact, it actually seems like quite a settled part of spring. Um, and if you look at it that way, then obviously we go into March, and that means three weeks of March would be considered summer. And I'm, I, you know, I imagine a lot of your listeners probably agree with that, although yeah. Canterbury, again, a little different to say where I am up in the north of the country where certainly March feels like summer. No doubt in my mind, March is summer. But you go further south, March can be actually the start of autumn very well and truly. So it <laughs> depends on where you are. 
And then you'll cop a rogue 32-degree day where it's just Norwest and absolutely stonking and, you know, late March, and you'll go, what is going on here? And there's always one or two of those. Now, you've, you've absolutely nailed it, Phil. That's, that's really good insight, mate. Uh, really appreciate your time. If anybody wants to go and learn more about this stuff, just head to weatherwatch.co.nz. Appreciate your time, as always. You're so good through this part of the year especially, mate. Really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. And don't forget, we've also got ruralweather.co.nz as well, which is, I think, a much better site for for trying to plan uh, stuff outside and around the farm and orchard. Beautiful. There you go. Perfect. Outstanding again. Thank you to Phil Duncan there uh, from Weatherwatch. Uh, I learnt a lot. Very, very interesting. And kind of what I expected. That's kind of what kind of what it was feeling like. Jeez, it's been so windy. So um, <laughs> let's just go by the star signs. Is that what he was saying? The... Uh, astrological clock I think that's what he said um, which means the summer solstice is not closer to it's clo- sorry it's closer to more like two weeks away and then summer begins and that's in time for Christmas which is good news for everybody right I'm rambling on uh, we're, get, we're coming up to the end of the show pretty quick here but I promise you we're going to hear a bit of Debbie Hockley because she earlier this year spoke about what it means to her to have the Debbie Hockley medal named after her and uh, Jordan Oppert did a wonderful interview with her at the time and I would love to you to hear a bit of that because we were reflecting on it this week and it was one of the best moments from the Canterbury Sports Corner. So here was Debbie talking about that medal with Jordan. Um, look, I've been actually. I said to I said to Willie from New Zealand Cricket. I was looking. I was actually looking up synonyms for honoured and humbled and things because they're such blooming cliches, aren't they? But it, it is actually how I feel. I, I feel incredibly privileged. And quite humbled. I, I was kind of blown away when David White uh, rang me and said that this is what they had proposed. So I, do, I just do feel an enormous sense of privilege. There's, there's been lots of other cricketers who've played the game uh, other than me. But to have my name associated with this top award for the females, um, it's, it is very special. And, and I, do, I, I, do feel, I, I do feel very privileged to... You know, have have my name on a medal. Um, you know, alongside Sir Richard, who who is a really good mate of mine. And and every time I've been to the cricket awards and the Sir Richard Hadley medals awarded at the end of the awards night, I think, gosh, that's it's such a cool thing to honour him. And I guess that uh, you know, my my name will be on the on the medal for probably hopefully years to come. Does this also mean that you have a lifetime VIP invite to the Glitz and Glam Cricket Awards? Well, I jolly well better. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, as I have noted in the time when I was president and got to go to the awards when they were on, and, I, and by the way, I think this is the first time in three years that the um, ANZ Awards have been on in person, which will be, uh, it'll be such a delight to have everyone back in the room. So, um so yeah, look, it's it's going to be fabulous, and uh, I am certainly hoping that myself and Mandy will probably get invited every year, but like Sir Richard and I do, so that um, we can get to present those medals ourselves. So that's just an and that's a that's a cherry on top, basically. Very well deserved as well. Hey, look, what an exciting time as well to be a female in sport, but particularly cricket. What do you make of, I guess, the evolution and opportunities that have popped up in the last 12 months? Wow, you could, you could almost say in about the last 12 weeks, wouldn't you, with the, yeah. the under-19 Women's World Cup um, taking place for the first time had been delayed by COVID. 
uh, taking place in South Africa currently and, and our own New Zealand under-19 team are playing India uh, in one of the semi-finals tonight. So I just uh, pressed the record button on uh, Sky TV uh, before I left this morning. They're playing at 9 o'clock, I understand, tonight. So not only is the um, you know inaugural under-19 tournament taking place, but just yesterday news of the very first uh, Indian Premier League for women. Uh, it's called the Women's Premier League. That's taking place, place with five franchise teams, and, and that's starting. Uh, it, my understanding is that that is going to take place directly after the uh, Women's T20 World Cup, which is yet another thing, uh, which is, uh, happening from the 10th to the 26th of February. So, gee, I, t- I tell you, isn't it, it, it you know, w- women's sport this year, Jordan, it rocks, doesn't it? Just with the, mm. with the Women's Rugby World Cup, with the Women's Football World Cup, um, exciting times. And just to touch a bit more on that, those IPL teams, they all collectively nearly sold for close to 1 billion New Zealand dollars. Can you believe that? Not really. I think it's uh, it, it. You know, I've seen people describe it as a watershed moment, and, and it and it really is. Um, I think you know we've all seen the how the um, the men's IPL. You know, just just the the money and the excitement involved with that, and you know, regardless of the money, because I suspect that uh, there'll be some 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 good coin on offer for female cricketers. Um, when their auctions take place. I, I, I don't actually know how the teams get selected. I haven't read that far yet, but I'm assuming that they will have some sort of auction process like the men do. So it is a watershed moment, I think, you know, you know to, to pretty much have equal footing um, with the men's IPL in India. It's, it's you know, it, it's really a, a pinnacle event in the women's game, um, along with the other world tournaments that we have. And I guess you, you sort of touched on it then, but when you were playing Debs, did you ever think we'd be in this position where not only our women are paid, but paid well, and have just about equal opportunities to the men? Uh, to be honest, probably not. I mean, it was, you know, because I've now not played cricket for longer than I did play cricket. So, um, you know, 20, 23, 22 years ago was when I finished playing, and I think when we, when we, you know, my last year of playing, when we, when we had the 2000 World Cup in New Zealand, I mean, it's the type of thing where you, you think, gosh, that would be, that would be lovely if it happened. But I, I guess that at the time, you know, like when I was playing and, and my teammates were playing, we were just really focused on doing the best that we could with what we had. And you always, you always think it would be nice to have more money available in terms of. Um, Say, recompensing for lost wages and things, but in saying that, I you know, I still played um, in an era uh, where you know we got um, you know we got allowances for food and things like that when we were away. And, and when you when you have nothing and you get something, that's pretty cool. So it's just been a it's probably been a natural evolution, I think. Marvellous stuff and uh, made so much sense, really, when you think about Debbie's contribution to New Zealand cricket throughout the years. Uh, what a great show it's been. Had a lot of fun. 
um, talking racing with Greg, harness racing on Sunday, cricket with Will O'Rourke, our newest black cap to be, and uh, of course a bit of weather with Philip Duncan there who gave us some of his time talking Canterbury weather over the summer months. Um, Geez, it's been a a really, really interesting week in sport. We've had it all, haven't we? We have had it all, and uh, the I guess the silly season is just beginning and going to continue on going with um, John Rahm signing that $920 million deal with Live Golf. If that's not the silly season, I don't know what is. The silliest of all seasons. It's a strange old world we live in. But it's a good world here in Canterbury and Christchurch, so thank you so much for joining us on the Canterbury Sports Corner this morning. We'll catch you again next week.